What's going down, people? It's day 11, the penultimate day of the BFI 63rd London Film Festival. Another jam-packed one as well. Um, saw a couple of films this morning. So we're going to bring you Fanny Lie Delivered, Waves, Judy and Punch, and A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Plus... I had a sit down with Jessica Husner, the um, director of Little Joe the other day. So we're going to bring that interview to you as well. There's a little bit of um, background noise, but, you know, it, it's the nature of these interview junkets, man. You know what I mean? But um, hope you find it interesting. Uh, yeah, so let's go. Okay, so I have just come out of a screening of Fanny Lie Delivered. This is the new film from Thomas Clay, who didn't just direct. No, 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 no. My man had three hats on. He directed it, he wrote it, and he also handled the music for it. It was produced by Zorana Pigot, Rob Cannon, Philippe Bobber, Mikel Merck, and Joseph Lang, and it's starring Maxine Peake, Charles Dance, Freddie Fox, and Tanya Reynolds. The gist of the film is this. On an isolated Shropshire farm in, 19, in 1657, yeah, couldn't be 1957, that would make this a completely different film. Ah, Fanny Lai, who's played by Peaks, lives a humble existence with her puritanical husband, John, played by Dance, and young son, Arthur. But the daily routines of this God-fearing family are abruptly interrupted when they discover two strangers hiding in their barn, pleading for help. Claiming to have been robbed and left for dead, the young pair initially ingratiate themselves with their reluctant new hosts, although it is not long before their progressive ways begin to cause tensions. With hostilities brewing, the town sheriff pays a visit to the Lye estate in search of a pair of wanted outlaws, forcing the interlopers to reveal their criminal intentions. As the lies are held hostage in her own home, Fanny's world is turned upside down, leading her to doubt her tyrannical husband and, and um, societal structures that dictate her life. But no means a staid historical saga. Thomas Clay's intoxicating chamber piece is a daring and rebellious moral morality tale, drawing on disparate genre elements to weave an unforgettable yarn about physical confinement and spiritual liberation, with asserting visual motifs and a bold use of music interjecting an exhilarating urgency to the action, this is filmmaking at its most breathtakingly audacious. Well, I, I will definitely say that this, this looks stunning. Um, it was Gigoras 
Avavantis, who handled the cinematography, and, um, yeah, it looks really good, I think the, the, the feel of the film, like, the, the, you know, the colouring of the film, all of it brings you to that time period, like, the, um, the costumes, everything, like, wardrobe department did a great job, it really looked, the part, like the film grading, everything really comes together on that. We then get a lot of sweeping shots that are nice. Um, Clay also throws in these kind of shots that kind of rotate around a room or a person that you don't usually see in uh, in a kind of period piece. But I think they did work in this in this feature. Um, the acting is really good. I think um, dance, ah, dance plays a very good puritanical um, husband. And I mean, I think I think we probably knew that because you know he's a. Uh, his portrayal in Game of Thrones was very, um, wasn't so puritanical, but it was very kind of stoic and staid. And yes, he plays that very well. Uh, Maxine Peake is always very good, and she did a good job with Fanny. Um, I think this kind of downtrodden, docile, uh, kind of person at the beginning, and then we see, um, kind of some of the changes that are going through her, and uh, yeah, she she really kind of helps bring that to life. Yeah, that's good. Um, Freddie Fox and um, Tanya Reynolds, they both do their part. As the interlopers with their crazy revolutionary thinking. <laughs> no, but yeah, I think they're very good. We don't really, to be honest, see you know that I don't think the Arthur played by um Zach Adams. He didn't really have a lot to do, to be honest. He's just running around you know, looking a bit scared, but yeah, there's a, there's a not, there's a, it's not a, a huge role, you know, there's not a crazy amount of layers and depth to it, but it is what it is, um, I, I wasn't sure about, um, the sheriff and his deputy, they did seem, they did seem somewhat over the top, um, compared to the way everything else was being played, so they kind of stood out, they kind of seemed like they'd been pasted on from something else, but yeah, I, I would say for the most part, acting was was great, acting was great, the film looked great, the story itself I think it is bleak. It's a bleak story. There is nothing happy here. You know, I, I, I think 
that um yeah it's hard to tell because I think going in I was expecting maybe something like along the lines of far from the madding crowd you know something like that yeah that's not this that definitely isn't this this is very it's very bleak it's very um kind of stoic but i think you definitely get a sense of um discovery you know fanny she as I, as i mentioned like she's very kind of downtrodden she's very repressed like she doesn't believe really in the way her husband thinks but she's going along with it because you know she's the wife that's what you do but as as the film goes on you know certain events happen and you can tell that she has this liberation moment you know where she's like oh i didn't realize that was a thing you know oh okay but even though she has this moment she still doesn't believe in um like victimization and so she's all down for this thing but then when she sees there's an element of victimization there she's like eh nah i'm not sure i understand ain't down with that um so yeah we we have that in the story it's this kind of arc for fanny which that is interesting especially with like because you think oh okay it's gonna go like this uh, but then yeah it doesn't but you know I, I i you can still see how although she doesn't do this thing she's now no longer the same person you know so that that in it all itself was very it's an interesting kind of um way to look at things i think you did understand like how some of it was going to end like i i think it was kind of a given that yeah a, a certain showdown was going to happen but um yeah it's not happy man it, it it's not a happy film uh, I think not showing everything does kind of... I think they should have just gone full bore and showed, like, everything. Because there's stuff that they didn't show. It happens off camera. And I I think that does weaken it slightly. You know, because it's just like, look, we've already gone this far just just yeah jump over that line you might as well now you know because like the film is a lot of step set up and what we're delivered in the end doesn't fully i don't think it fully hits you like it could have you know i really think that you needed to see the character all the way on that journey. And we only get parts of it, which is a shame. I would say it is a big shame. Um, I think the music works well in the film to really kind of 
you know, prop up the atmosphere. You know, because there is this bleakness, and and the but the music kind of adds a bit more energy to things because yeah, it it's not an energetic film. You know, so it was good. It was a, definitely a good choice to include the music to to play that part. I would say, yeah, if you are a fan of period dramas, if you're a fan of period dramas, then you might want to give this a look. But we don't really see the Cronwell England that much. So I think it's interesting in that respect. Uh, But yeah, um, the assassination of Jesse James, if you are happy with the pacing of that, then I think you'll be fine with Fanny, Fanny Lie Delivered. But yes, you don't go in expecting um, like a David Copperfield, like an Emma, a Jane Eyre. It's not quite those. It's not that sort of period piece. But um, it's interesting because, yeah, I didn't really know this story. Because I'm, I, I am under the expectation that this is true. Um. Maybe I'm wrong though. Maybe I've just been fooled. But yes, if it's true, if it's actually historically, you know, accurate, then um, yes, this is very interesting. But uh, yeah, you know, the performances are really good. Everything like that. So far, there's not a um release date for um for the UK. But um, I guess, look, if you follow Maxine Peake, um, the film Twitter, you might see some of that information appear, okay? So that's Fanny Lie Delivered, new film from Thomas Clay, starring Maxine Peake, Charles Dance, Freddie Fox, and uh, Tanya Reynolds. It's 110 minutes. Hmm, yeah, I think possibly it could have been cut down a bit But, um, like 90 minutes I think 90 minutes would have probably been a solid, concise piece But, uh, yeah Yeah, you might want to check it out Fanny Lie Delivered Okay, so, I've just seen Waves This is the new film Written and directed by Trey Adder Sorry, Trey Edward Schultz It's produced by James Wilson and Kevin Turun um, And it's starring Kelvin Harrison Jr., Lucas Hedges, Taylor Russell um, The gist of the film is this Popular high school athlete Tyler is played by Harrison Jr. Um, lives in... A seemingly privileged life, an all-star wrestler with a loving girlfriend and a supportive, affluent family. He spends his days training and his nights partying, but beneath the fragile veneer of perfection, cracks are beginning to show. Under constant scrutiny from his overbearing father, ignoring the reality of a potentially serious shoulder injury, and reeling from an unsuspected development in his romantic relationship, Tyler's world looks set to implode. 
As the pressures around him steadily mount, a series of events are put in motion which threaten not only Tyler's happiness, but also the lives of the people he loves the most. To give too much away would risk spoiling the unforeseen complexities of this devastating family drama, which constantly surprises and astounds with its bold narrative, ambition and ah, bravura visual language. Um, once again, Schultz continues to prove himself one of contemporary cinema's most distinctive filmmaking talents, crafting an intricate tale which is at once bracingly experimental, yet always emotionally accessible. Hmm. You know, I, I, I feel that is um, that is all true. And... This film, it looks incredible. Yeah, I think that's one of the the big, big, big takeaways from Waves. It looks phenomenal. You know, um, yeah, it just I think the way it's shot, the colors, they are all fantastic. They're all fantastic. Um, we definitely do get a sense of... Um, we definitely get a sense of a, a situation with the father. Um, and and it's I feel it's probably stuff that we've seen in, in this type of... Of film. Um, then we get the partying. And everything like that. So I believe. Like the beginning of this film. It comes off. A bit like a frat movie. You know what I mean. Something of that kind. But. Just with this. Really slick. Really slick. Production. I mean, it looks so crisp. Real nice cinematography. Um, all of that. And, of course, like, the soundtrack is great. So, it isn't surprising to learn that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were behind it. Because that makes perfect sense, you know. Um... So it's really good from that point of view. The, I think a, a a problem with this though is it really comes off as two films put together, two films put together, and it doesn't. Yeah, I I think it doesn't build up. The characters enough. So. It's hard to really care. About. The things that happen with. Um, Tyler. Like we see Tyler. We see Tyler. A lot. You know the first. I don't know. Um, I'd probably say the first hour. Is probably devoted to Tyler. And he's, boom, center stage. 
Like we, it's all about Tyler in that first part of this film. And um, yeah, so so we get a lot of him, you know, um, and I think that is a little detrimental to then the second half of the film, because although we we see them, yeah, obviously we see them, you know, I mean for the most part, all of them are around at the beginning, but. We just don't know them. So it, it, it then brings the thing, how do we care? How do we care? Like um, Taylor Russell. Taylor Russell, you know, she's great. I, I think the way she shows emotion and, and her acting is really good. But we don't know her enough to fully care and it takes a lot for us to really become invested in her character um so you and and that's the big thing with tyler we see tyler he's all over the first half of the film we know certain things we know he's a wrestler we know he's working very hard we know that um He's got a girlfriend. We know that his dad is pushing him really hard to be the best wrestler, to be the best person he can be. You know? We know this. We know he likes to party. But that's all we know. We, 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 don't, we don't know anything else. You know? So, it's like... Towards the end of the first half of the film, there's an, the, the, he has an argument with his mum. And certain things come out in that argument, we just don't know. So it's just a bit like, oh, huh, interesting. That seems a revelation. I did not know any of that. And that seems, and that's problematic because... The, the full impact of certain things, it's just, it's just stuff we then see. It, it, it's hard to really fully impact. I mean, the biggest thing, that, the, the biggest impact was the, the, the sound of the impact with the floor. That was the biggest thing. And you're just like, <gasps> oh, so uh, yeah, that, that was the biggest shock. Other than that, it was just like, ugh. I mean, I could see where that bit was going, but I didn't really care, to be honest with you. So then we get into the second half of the film, and we're getting a lot of emotion from the characters now, but we just don't know them. We're like, we really know nothing. So there's no, em there's no real empathy. You can understand that the situation isn't great. I mean, it's more than just not great. It's terrible, right? No, like, you, 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 the, the people left behind, you can understand that, yo, this is not a good place to be in. And they are going through the ringer. They are, must be feeling shit. Understand that. But there's just... 
nothing else. There's just nothing else. And that's a big shame, I feel. Um, It's very weird as well. So the film's called Waves, but it just doesn't have, just doesn't have the depth that I would have hoped and I would have liked. Right? Another weird thing is, so Lucas Hedges, you know, he's really good. Lucas Hedges is really good. And look, I might be wrong, you know, because it's hard to see sometimes certain things, sometimes faces and stuff like that. But it does look like Lucas Hedges, there is a, a kind of a slight interaction with him and Tyler at the very beginning that's what in a wrestling fight now i might be wrong but i believe that that did happen which is interesting because if it if that is the case it's never referenced never really referenced but the yeah the second half of the film it's nice now they replicate certain shots like in the car driving because there was a scene with um tyler and alexis alexa in the car driving and singing and we have that again with um emily and uh, gosh i forget lucas's character's name but yeah we get a similar scene and then everything that goes you know with Luca, with, with his dad and all of that it is it's emotional obviously but yeah like we we haven't seen enough we don't know enough about them for it to be a, a you know a, a real impact on us the same with Tyler's dad and his mum all of that so it's just a shame that that wasn't wasn't given more thought. Um, we also, you know, you you do feel that um, there is a um, there, there's just a bit of a disconnect in certain things, like yeah, in some sort of ca- in some of the characterations, it's just like. I think, as I said before, it, it, it's very, it's well shot. Cinematography is great. It's very slick. But substance-wise, there could be more. You know? It, it, there could be more because these are big topics that are dealt with. Very big do- topics. Very important. And it's, I, yeah, it's just a bit of a shame. It's, it's a just a bit of a shame i would say but um you know i don't know like what else can you do right so the film is 135 minutes and i did notice it was over two hours you do i did find myself being a bit restless um during this so it probably could have been shorter um but listen if you like these actors then yeah definitely check the film out because they do give very good performances right 
Um, again, as I said, look, the score is great. The cinematography is great. It's a very slick film. So if you are interested in the topics, in the themes, yeah, you might want to check it out. Um, so uh, your, your next opportunity is... Um, I think it's just Sunday the 13th at 8.30, and that is the View West End. But, as always, check the um, episode details, and all the information will be there, okay? So, this is Waves from uh, director and writer Trey Edward Schultz, um, and it's starring Kelvin Harrison Jr., Lucas Hedges, and Tyler Russell. Okay. Okay, so just out of a screening of Judy and Punch. Now, this is the um, directorial debut, well, featured directorial debut from Mia Falks, who um, also wrote the script. It's produced by Michelle Bennett, Nash Edgerington, and Danny Gabia. Uh, And it's starring Mia Wachowska, Damien Hermain, Tom Budge, Benedict Hardy, Lucy Velik, Virginia Gay, and Don Bridges. So, um, the gist of the film is this. Taking the strange misogynist... Ogenistic 16th century Punch and Judy puppet show as an initial point of departure. Folks creates an origin story of sorts, but one that reimagines what might have happened if Judy decided not to take Punch's incessant battery quite so meekly. In the town of Seaside, husband and wife puppeteers Punch and Judy staged their shows for rowdy, mob-minded locals, for whom a great day out is usually the public stoning of a fellow citizen. Inevitably a woman accused of witchcraft or some other spouse or crime. With a highly accomplished sense of style and directorial confidence, that belies her newness to the craft. Folks creates a vivid, darkly comic fable, part revenge story, part fantasy epic. Damien Hermain, um, known in Justified, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, makes a brilliant punch, dangerously egomaniacal and yet somehow still pitiable. And at the heart of this film about the emergence of a reluctant heroine, Wachowska is a wonderful Judy who belatedly finds out just how powerful she is. Judy and Punch is rousing, inventive and so much fun. This film, it just looks so good. It really is impressive it's it's a, it, 
it's a real impressive um, directorial debut from Falks. I have to say that. Um, great on the atmosphere, just all that kind of feeling and vibe kind of resonates out at you from the screen. The acting, the acting is very good. You know, I think Mia and Damon as Punch and Judy are, are, are perfectly cast. And, um, yeah, Damon especially with this character that's just, you know, he's idolised. Idolised everywhere he goes. Like the women will drop their baggies if he just blinks at them. Winks, blinks, winks. That's all the same really, isn't it? Um, that Yeah, he's loved. And, and so you have that side of him. Then there's also the doubt you know, was it a good show? Do you think um the scouts were out? So they have all this doubt and this bravado. And then when he's drunk and he's being chastised, he's just like... <laughs> so, yeah, it, I, I, and Damon is able to kind of capture all of that. You know, Mia does a great job as... um. You know, uh, like this really proud puppeteer who's trying to support her husband and, and you know, do her thing. But then also feels kind of besmirched when she sees him, like, look at other women. And when, you know, he promises not to drink and he's drunk and, you know, she, yeah, she covers that. It, it's, it's a great film in that regard, you know, um... I think the tone of the film is 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 kind of captured well. Um, so you've got uh, just really good cinema, really good cinematography. Yes, from Stefan Dusico, who um yeah just kind of is able to get all that like these great shots. You know, just sort of like everything that's going on All the crowds have come out And just all of this Just some of the nice angles that are chosen Yeah, it's great It It, it is really enjoyable from that point of view Um, I think the, the story isn't bad The story isn't bad I think that... Um, as it develops, because it is like it, it's really interesting. It's got this, you know, this this kind of concept of the punch and Judy and all of that, and so it gets to a point, gets to a point where you're like, oh, okay, and then you you know, I mean, we get this last act works it definitely works but then the film ends so the film i felt the film kind of ended on a um i don't know it just it was a bit flat it was a bit of a flat ending and so it kind of felt like 
we had all of this build up, all of this, you know, ah, just, you know, revving of a story. And you're expecting, okay, so then we're go- Oh, it's done? Oh. Oh, okay. And I think that was a bit disappointing because, um, yeah, we just wanted a bit more. Like, there's an image that's around of, like, Judy on a horse. And I, I think that's, that's towards the very end of the film. And, and we're kind of expecting now for this thing to happen, you know, this breakwater to sweep across things. But it doesn't. And that's a bit of a shame, you know, because it just let things fizzle. You know, we, it's like when, you know, your friends have gone, oh, I've got this huge firework. It's meant to be incredible. So, like, you, you know, it's like the build up for it, the setup. You light it and it's just like, ah, it's going to be incredible. And it goes up and like it bangs and all. But it's just, it's just a bit like, eh, it's not really any better than a rocket, you know, and, and so that's the thing, it's just like, it was just a shame the way it finished. I did like, though, the fact that the film didn't shy away from the violence, you know, I, I think that would have been a very easy thing to do, to, um, yeah, go look. We're not showing this. We're only taking it this far. But no, it didn't shy away from anything. It showed everything. And I thought that was good. I thought that was good. But, um, yeah, I just wish the end. Like, um, music worked with the film. I think that, that was a good kind of... Way to rev up some of the scenes and everything like that. So that was great. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, just a bit of a shame on that ending. But, um, you know. <sighs> we can't have everything, I guess. I would say, if you are... Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, if you just like fantasy films... Joe, um, it it kind of had a bit of a um, oh, what's that? Um, the Claire Danes film, um, the shooting star, um, based on a Neil Gaiman book. Oh my gosh, Stardust. Yes, it had a bit of a Stardust feel to it. I feel, um. So yeah, if you if you're a fan of like that, if you're a fan of like yeah, just that fantasy genre, you you like something that has a bit of a new twist on it, then I think this will be um your type of film. Uh you will be able to see it tomorrow, Sunday the 13th of October at 2 o'clock. And it's playing at the Odeon Lux Leicester Square. So, yeah, tomorrow's the last day of the festival, people. So, yeah. Yeah. That, 
Do you want to see it now? That's your last chance. But it is on general release from the 15th of November. So, uh, yes, you can see it then. So, yeah, there is that. Okay. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's Punch and Judy for you, people. Um, yep. Maya Fawkes directed and wrote. Sorry, Mia Wachowski, Damien Herman, Tom Budge, Benedict Hardy, Lucy Wilk, and it's 105 minutes, which timing-wise, I think it works. Yeah, I do think it worked. So it's just a shame you can add on a bit more, add on a bit more and finish well, but it is what it is. All right, so that's Judy and Punch. Okay, so just out of a screening of the new film, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This is from director Marielle Heller. Uh, It's produced by Yuri Henley, Peter Serif, Mark Turtletube and Lee Holzer. It's written by um, Mitch Fitman Blue. And Noah Harpster. And it's starring Tom Hanks, Matthew Reese, Susan Kelishi Watson, Chris Cooper, um, Enrico Colatoni, uh, Wendy McLaney, and Christine Latte. And, um, The gist of the film is this. It's hard to overstate the impact Fred Rogers had on American culture. For three decades, he enchanted generations of children with his television show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Gently paced, the show was a safe haven where Rogers entertained but also tackled problems that his young viewers might have to face as they grow up. His motto was, if you can mention it, you can manage it. An excellent Matthew Reese, playing magazine writer Lloyd Vogel, um, is commissioned to write an article on the presenter. He regards Rogers as a monolith of an unfashionable past, a relic whose style and ideas are outdated, who is also deeply suspicious. Could anyone really be so good, so kind? But on spending more time with Rogers, Vogel begins to question his own misanthropic outlook. As a Hollywood star admired for his integrity, he's um, Toy Story's Woody after all. Tom Hanks is perfect as Rogers. A clever script from Mitch Fitzman Blue and Noah Harpster. And ingenious direction from Heller also ensured that you don't need to know who Rogers was for this film to work its magic. With her third feature after the superb Diary of a Teenage Girl and Can You Ever Forgive Me, which was um, at London Film Festival last year, people, Morella Heller has delivered her best yet. Now, um, 
This is based on a uh, a magazine article called Can You Say Hero by Tom Yond, who um, Vogel is based on. Um, yeah, I look. I, I as it says, look, I don't think you need to know who um, Fred Rogers is. Because I definitely, I've heard the name, you know what I mean? I've heard the name, I've never seen, um, yeah, The Neighbourhood Show So I, I don't really know who he is um, And I do think that if you do know who he is A lot of the film will resonate more to you Because you know, it's like when his name comes up, people are like, oh Oh, and they have this reverence for him. So yeah, if you if you know him, if you've seen the show, you have that understanding. You will get that. You have that understanding why. Now, um, you know, all in all, I would say this is a it's a nice film, right? It's a nice film. It it's playing to that that sentiment that yeah, look, there, there there's no need to um you know hold grudges. There's no need to like cling on to resentments and fear because um you know if you can mention it, you can manage it. Which is, you know, essentially that's what this film is telling us You know, and there's nothing wrong with that There's nothing wrong with that, right? I think this will play well to a lot of people It's a PG film, so everyone can go watch it It's a little saccharine, you know what I mean? Ain't gonna lie, it's a little saccharine But, you know, I I think... It was all probably always going to be like the weird thing, really, for me was um. So there's a couple of things. It's like the way the film starts. It kind of felt very odd, but then again, look, if you know Fred Rogers, if you've seen Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. The start, you might be like, oh, that's so clever, that's, ah, yeah, it's all flooding back now If you, like, with no knowledge, like, the start just kind of came off as rather odd It seemed like a very odd way to kind of get things started Because it it just, yeah, it was just kind of, it felt very flat Felt very flat And also Hanks has adopted This I don't know This weird like Affetation with his Voice with the voice That he puts on for Rogers That uh, It's just a tad Irritating it, it really Does come off as Weird Comes off as a bit weird, a bit put on, a bit irritating, you know, and like it's talking down to you. That it's that what you know. Oh, what have you done? Mm, 
Didn't want to do that, did you? It's like one of those voices, but continuous. And you're just like, jeez. So that's a bit weird. And especially because in the end credits, they play actual Fred Rogers footage. They have him singing. He couldn't sing. I don't know. Hopefully he didn't do it all the time. Couldn't sing. Terrible voice. But you hear his actual voice. And it's nothing like the voice Hanks decided to use in this. And that seems a bit weird. You know what I mean? I, I just think, yeah, the voice was a weird choice. It was definitely just a weird choice to use. And, like, it's a, it's a predictable script. You know, I, I think you see everything, like, it's all predictable. Like, Lloyd was always going to be a cynic. He was always going to be a cynic with, like, crazy things happening in his life. So when he meets, because that's what it says, like, he's, you know, he goes in looking to dispel this myth, looking to, um, you know, show Fred Rogers as a fraud, because no one can be that happy all the time. Like, who is, right? And, yeah, so you knew, you knew Floyd was going to be a certain kind of character, but then when he spends time with Fred, his outlook changes. I think the problem with that is, right, you can understand it changing on some things. So certain things you can be like, okay, right, that makes sense. And especially when you kind of get some of the backstory on some of this stuff. But then... You kind of go, but what about the other stuff? You know, like, what about... Because that explains the, the some of the resentments Lloyd has. But it doesn't explain other things. Like, the, because, you know, it said Fred is the only person that's willing to speak to Lloyd. Doesn't explain that. So, I think... Yeah, like... Maybe some more insight into Lloyd's actual character. Uh, and, you know, like the changes he wants to make in his life. I mean, possibly if they just kind of voice that. Because we understand, as I said, look, some of them, fine, that's understandable. That makes sense. Upper bits, you're a bit like, mm, but why then would you change? How does that change from that? So maybe some clarity on that would have would have worked, you know. But yeah, I mean, for this film, because this is like cool runnings, right? <laughs> you know, what I mean, this is like cool runnings. You know, that was always that was a certain type of film. It was saccharine. You knew what was happening, but the, you know, there was a. It, it wanted to get off this clear message. This film wants to get off this clear message. An interesting thing I thought in this was the fact that when showy, I think it was mainly travel. So it's really like, oh, I'm, I've got to go to Pittsburgh. So getting on a plane or getting like moving from one place to the other, 
they depicted it with this kind of, I think it was clay animation, I think it was that, it it wasn't CGI, it wasn't, um, yeah, I think it must have been, yeah, I think the only other thing it could have been was claymation, um, so yeah, I thought that was an interesting addition, you know, I'm like I'm I'm wondering the choice for that. Like I didn't hate it. You know, it, it yeah, it was interesting. I don't know what I really think of it. Like I don't hate it. I don't it wasn't like, oh that's amazing. But it was interesting. So yeah, I, I, I wonder of how um how that got included. But um I do think a lot of the acting was good. You know, like um, Matthew Reese, he was good as Lloyd. Um, then we've got um, Susan Keleshi Watson is really good as Andrea, who is meant to be based on um, uh, yeah, Tom um Tom Young's actual wife. So um, yeah, like. That they yeah they play their roles really well. Chris Cooper as Jerry, that was good. Yeah, you know, there was some there was some good performances in in this film. Um, yeah, it's it's just like I think essentially, what do you want from your film? That's the big question. Because as I've said, look. It's not a terrible film. It's a nice film. It's a nice film. But do you want that that film that's tied up in the bow? That's a little saccharine. You know what I mean? That, that is hammering home a message. If you like those sort of films, then this is all you. As I mentioned, like, look, it's kind of like Cool Runnings in that effect. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if if though if that kind of film is the film that you like, then perfect. Because you have two more chances to see this. So it's showing tomorrow, Sunday the 13th of October at 11.30 at the Embankment Garden Cinema. And then at quarter to six on the same day at the Empire Haymarket Cinema. Now... The BFI website is showing that these are sold out. But, listen. If you go to the cinema 45 minutes before the start. So, that would be if you went to the cinema at quarter to 11. Or 5 o'clock. You know, that's when they start issuing out returns. But you could always check, give the BFI a call, check with them because, yeah, maybe there's stuff available now. Who knows? But, um, yeah, they are your last two opportunities to see this um, because tomorrow is the last day of the film festival, people, which is a big shame. But, but. Look, you can also, if you can't make those dates, right, 
in the States and Canada. It will be released in cinemas Thanksgiving the 22nd of November. In the UK, Ireland, it will be here on the um, 6th of December. Okay, so they are your your other opportunities to um, to catch this film. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. The new one from Marie Marielle Marielle Heller. I think I pronounced that right. <laughs> Starring Tom Hanks, Matthew Reese. Suzanne Kaleshi Watson and Chris Cooper. It's a PG. Oh, also, people, it's 107 minutes. So it's not crazy on the time. Not crazy on the time. So, um, look, yeah, they could have probably cut a little bit out, could have made it 90. But, yeah, it, it's, not, it's not a bad one on that time front. You know what I mean? But yeah, hey, if you like a feel-good film, then this is a very feel-good, so check it out. Okay, people, so that's been our reviews for the day. Uh, so now let's get into the interview with Jessica Husner, the director of Little Joe. Um, yeah, hope you find this interesting. Okay, so I'm here with Jessica Hausner, the uh, director of Little Joe. Jessica, thank you very much for your time. Um, how did the whole idea for Little Joe come about? Because it is an interesting concept. I was uh, interested in making a film about a female scientist. I like that Frankenstein story very much, where that scientist is creating a monster and the monster comes alive and goes out to kill people <laughs> so I thought why not have a female scientist and she creates a monster which in my story is the flower but she creates also another monster which is her child mm. I think giving birth for women is very similar to a Frankenstein experience <laughs> because also that little monster that you create gets out of your own control and you still wish to to make it like to make the best out of it but you cannot control it a hundred percent yeah yeah it, it does become kind of submerse subvertive in, in a way because like little joe isn't front and center but it's kind of pulling the strings of everyone in the background was that always the, the case or was there a point where like the flower had a more prominent kind of role in the film no I mean the script changed of course throughout the process of writing it um, but that has always been the initial idea that it's actually a story about a mother and her sons and she has two of them and she is uh, if you want, a little bit torn between the love for a child and the love for a profession. 
And this is of course a topic that is very important and also quite modern because I think in our society motherhood is still seen quite traditionally. Mothers are supposed to love their children more than anything else, but I think they don't. I think mothers are just like fathers. They do love their children, but they also love other things like for example their professions. And I find it highly important to point that out. Yeah, yeah, because I think that was very clear from the outset that her work was very important to her. And, um, yeah, it's so important that she did do a few things that probably weren't, weren't the best things to do um, with the way she brought the flower to fruition and all of that. Um, did, because we don't get a whole heap there's no like huge backstory or anything like that no real information to why she broke up with her ex or or things like that was that always like important to kind of keep that stuff to the background and just focus on these key elements of the story in my filmmaking i never work with backstories i don't even know what they're for <laughs> even when I see films they don't interest me I think what well, the films that I make are not uh, pronouncing the individuality of a character so I don't need back stories my films pronounce the unindividuality of us all the fact that every one of us is influenced by the internet the media and flowers <laughs> so my films are very much about the influence that that takes hold of a personality and that actually everyone is in his or her life sort of playing a role so mm. I play myself that's uh, there's one scene in the film where a young girl is saying it like that I have the feeling I, I'm in a theater play and I'm playing myself yeah yeah like Joe's girlfriend yeah and and I think that is that is very very precisely what we're doing we're living in a society and we behave according to the rules of that society and if we don't, then uh, our life is miserable. So I think the happiness that is pronounced in my film also comes from the fact that if you, if you are accepted by the society you live in because you behave to the rules of this society, that is actually the happiness that is possible. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that was the thing, wasn't it? Towards the end, like everyone is now on board and everyone was happy. And so it's a bit like, I mean, it's problematic with the flower, but there's not real, a real major issue because everyone is happy. So, hmm, this is interesting. Like, do you stop it or just let it go kind of thing? Like, the, and the way the film ended, was that always the, the hard ending or did things change as the story went on? I think the ending was very clear in the beginning when we wrote the story because coming back to that mother and child perspective in the film, it was clear that in the end the mother will leave the child with, its, with his father and will pursue her own career and that was meant to be a happy ending it's not sad or mm. anything it's a happy ending so the ambiguity of it comes of course from the fact that we think maybe she's she's changed by the flower 
But then, on the other hand, as you said, who cares? Then, as long as she's happy, and if this flower gave her the possibility to do what she really wants, which is to be a scientist, then it's fine. Yeah, because that's the thing that she's kind of like always torn between when she's in therapy and she's talking. She's just like, I want to work, but. I don't want to believe I don't want to feel bad about leaving Joe so uh, what do I do and so at the end she has she it's like she has the freedom to now do what she actually wanted to do like I was wondering if as the car was going to pulling off we were going to see fields of red flowers <laughs> yeah, I would have liked to do that but we couldn't afford it <laughs> yeah so what were like the budgetary constraints was there a lot of things in this that you're like I'd love to do but ah, we can't actually do that I would have liked to have a larger greenhouse with more flowers and that was just not possible because the flowers were all handmade. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and I prefer to work with handmade flowers because then you don't have to, like the shooting process is then easier because yeah. you can focus on the actors. If you have a digital effect in each mm. single shot, it would drive me crazy because you have to be very, very focused on the technical aspect. And I wanted to focus on the actors, so we decided to make them, to, to have handmade flowers. But then the capacity of how much it costs and how long it takes to do those flowers was limited. And also to find a greenhouse that is large enough was not so easy, because a lot of greenhouses are just full of their flowers. Yes. So, And we couldn't afford to shoot it in a studio, that would have been too expensive. Ah, so how long did the whole process take then? So with the shoe itself, but then the, the pre-production of like making flowers and set pieces and everything? Um, so with Little Joe, the writing process was quite long. Uh, it was sort of difficult to find the, the precise balance in the mm -hmm. script between yes and no. Um, but then when we started the preparation, it took, let's say, a year. Preparing, okay. shooting, post-production. Ah, I, I really liked, there's a scene in the, in the bar when um, she finally goes, to, uh, finally goes for a drink with Ben Wishaw and he, he goes to kiss her and she's just like and moves away and it's like really uncomfortable but the way she just kind of carries on I just, I just thought that was a, a really kind of interesting scene like um, yeah like adding little touches like that like were there, some of those things kind of just ad lib as you thought that would bring something a bit extra to what you were shooting what is ad lib like i'm um, on the spur of the moment kind of it came to you while filming that no. scene no 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 i don't act spontaneously yeah. <laughs> I, i script everything i make a storyboard which is very precise i invest a lot of time in finding the right locations and in preparing the whole shooting so i don't shoot scenes spontaneously 
Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people work like that, really. Um, how was it to getting funding for this? Because, yeah, it's a different type of story. And, it, you know, it's not along the lines of most things that we often see. So, yeah, how was the funding? Um, the funding went very well, I think. Uh, it, this is my fifth film and I think it helped that um, at least my last two films were sort of known or acknowledged so the funds we asked for money were giving us the money I think based on the fact that me as a director I am sort of I have proof that I can do interesting films mm -hmm. with the last two films at least so there was a lot of trust in me as a director which I appreciated a lot because it was my first collaboration with the UK yeah. so the British Film Institute and the BBC they they said go for it <laughs> and it was a, for me a very positive collaboration that's really good uh, so do you have um, like distribution sorted out and a release date for over here yes uh, the release date is is in February and it's distributed by the BFI ah fantastic that's great and um have you thought about like what you do now like any projects that you're kind of you know you're you're starting to work on Yes, I have a new story for a new film in the back of my head, <laughs> or my mind, uh, but I haven't started the writing yet. I'm working with a co-writer, Geraldine Bajar, and we talk about the new story, but we will only start probably next year in January to, to really do research and talk about it properly. But it will be uh, about a cult. Ah, and uh, when you are planning out a film, like this, like how long do you kind of give yourself? Do you always have like, I want to shoot in in this period, or do you just like, let's just see how it goes? Well, from the experience I have with myself, it takes for me to make a film all together takes between three and five years. So when the script writing is more complicated, like with Little Joe, it was five years between the last film and this one. But if in other films I was a bit faster when the script development goes smoother, then it's only three years. So I don't know, for the next film, let's see, when I start the writing, I will have an idea how fast it will go. Okay, and um, will this one be English language or...? Yes, I will shoot this film in English language again. I enjoyed it a lot. I have to say the Austrian humor is a bit similar to the British humor. I think the dryness or the sharpness mm -hmm. of it, I, I, could re I, could it, I could translate it from yeah. my language and I'm not only talking about language but also the, the whole cultural background. So it, that it was possible to tr translate my jokes into English language <laughs> and, and I, I'm happy about that. And, and compared to the German language, the English language is shorter which I also like. I think it's very elegant for a scene to have that dark humor in a short and precise language. Yeah. So for now I do enjoy it, but it doesn't mean that I will always shoot in English. <laughs>
Okay, that's great. And how can people kind of follow what you're doing? Do you have a website, social media, anything like that? <laughs> no, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I, I n- neglect Facebook or anything. But um, I'm part of a production company in Vienna, Coop 99. So if anyone wants to follow, then look up the website welcome at coop99.at. Okay, that's great. I've put that information in the episode notes. So, um, yeah, people will be able to, you know, see what you're up to. (laughs) But this has been really interesting. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, too. Well, that is another episode. Man, yeah, it's been um, a crazy time, people, and it's nearly at a close. But we've got one more day, so um, remember to check out all the reviews so you can go see some films tomorrow. Um, All the links, release date information, schedules, all of that will be in the uh, episode details. So remember to take that um, a look. yeah, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, people. Um, so there's definitely one review and one interview. That's for sure. But I think there might be there might be two reviews. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, people, we'll check you out tomorrow, the thirteenth. All right, peace.